0: Now it's time for Inspirational Women, and my guest, Gabby Salazar, a National Geographic explorer, a nature and conservation photographer, and a social scientist. Gabby, along with Claire Fiesler, are the authors of a phenomenal new book from National Geographic, No Boundaries, 25 Women Explorers and Scientists, Share Adventures, Inspiration, and Advice, And with Earth Day on our calendar this next weekend, this gives us the opportunity to consider how we can take better care of this earthly home, the only planet we have. Gabby Salazar, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you for having me. It is just so amazing. This book is just such a great, well, I'm going to go back to calling it Magnificent reading all these biographies of of these incredible 25 women, that seemed like this huge jackpot. But really, it's probably just scratching the surface. Were there more than 25 that you found, Gabby?
1: Oh, absolutely. That was the most difficult part of working on this project was narrowing it down to 25 women. I mean, there are just so many um, amazing female scientists and explorers out there doing great work And we had to be very intentional about picking women whose stories represented kind of the different themes we wanted to talk about and explore, um, but also the different scientific disciplines and fields that we wanted to help expose young readers to.
0: For me, looking at this, I was just awestruck as to these fields that I had no idea even existed. But obviously, when you were needing to compile this and make the decisions, you were really aware of these existing, correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. That is true. Yes, Claire Fiesler, my co-author, and I worked together with our editor, of course, to really think about what stories we thought were important to to tell young readers, what we wish we'd known when we were kids and thinking about going into science, you know? And so, you know, one of those is that failure is, happens, and it's okay, and you can overcome it, right? It's a part of growing in life. And so we looked for women who were willing to talk about kind of failures they experience experienced and how they'd grown from those failures. So that's just one example.
0: Well, let's use that example in, in noting the compilation of the stunning book from National Geographic. They, they never uh, disappoint, do they?
1: They're a great uh, group to work with, that's for sure. It it always keeps you inspired.
0: (laughs) So No Boundaries really is that. You know, seeing you're going from the depths of the ocean up into the skies and up to the stars and the planets. So it's really so planetary in, in that regard. But in the compilation, and you were talking about, you know, never giving up, the way that you structure each of the stories of each of these 25 amazing women who are explorers and scientists, in they give their insights in these wonderful little boxes about uh, what to look for. And, and one of the things is, right, uh, they encourage persistence. Just never give up.
1: Yeah, I think that's a huge theme that comes through from the book, and I, I'm glad you picked up on that as well. I mean, a lot of these women, you know, whether it's um, asking for an internship or an opportunity and being told no again and again and again, and they just keep on asking, right, until they get there, like uh, the story from Dr. Asha DeVos, who uh, eventually gets out on a research vessel after asking for an opportunity for months. Uh, and, and that's a real turning point in her career. Or, you know, you have other uh, women who talk about, you know, maybe wanting to go to a certain type of school. Um, Danielle Lee talks about wanting to go to become a veterinarian and then not getting into school and then pivoting and actually discovering, discovering her, her real passion, you know, for science outreach. And she's a mammologist and she studies mammals.
0: And, and those kinds of stories, I think, are really so critical as well, is to not think of something as, uh, you know, pulling an opportunity away, but finding perhaps it's really pointed us in the direction of something new and more of where we're supposed to grow.
1: Absolutely. I think that's incredibly critical. I think that the nice thing about this is, you know, I think when you're a kid, you often think, or at least I did, that life is going to be pretty linear, right? You know, Mm -hmm. you're just going to decide what you want to do, and then you're going to take the steps, and you're going to get there, and that's all it's going to take, and I think, you know, as you grow up, you realize that all kinds of opportunities present themselves, and also we find new passions, or we have new, you know, things that make us curious, and I think these women really demonstrate the power of kind of following that curiosity uh, and then finding new opportunities and creating their own opportunities out of that curiosity. And a lot of them have paths that are really not very linear at all.
0: And when I was looking at this book, No Boundaries, and besides the really great stories, the photography, the where you have adventured basically alongside them, Did you actually do that? Did you and Claire uh, go about on these same adventures, or how did you get all this wonderful photography?
1: Well, part of that is working with National Geographic Society. So uh, we took some of the images in the book, because Claire and I are both photographers, but we certainly did not take the majority of them. Um, The women were able to provide images from their, uh, their own expeditions and their own work to help illustrate, you know, their stories. But We did get to go on um, two of the expeditions. So Claire and I got to go to Zimbabwe with uh, Dr. Morangels Mbiza, who's featured in the book, and she studies lions um, and lion ecology and conservation. And actually, before the book, Claire and I started working on a short film um, about Dr. uh, Mbiza and her research on lions and also some of the challenges she faced um, trying to balance her studies. Uh, She did her PhD in the United Kingdom. And she also had a family living in South Africa and was doing her research in Zimbabwe. And we wanted to tell this kind of story about some of the sacrifices that women have to make in order to pursue careers in STEM. And so that small, short documentary that we got to go film kind of helped grow into this book and this project, because we realized there were all kinds of stories we wanted to tell And we thought that telling those stories to um, especially this target age group, middle school girls, and, and of course, young men as well, um, that's a really critical time to actually help expose them to these careers and to help them, you know, hopefully encourage them to make decisions to pursue uh, science-related careers.
0: And and so here you are also doing some doing work, having a career in what is your chosen field, correct, as a photographer?
1: Yes, absolutely. I um, I am a photographer, and I'm also a Ph.D. student at the University of Florida. And I use a combination of different social sciences, like psychology, anthropology, uh, to help uh, actually study environmental marketing and outreach to understand how um Different environmental campaigns influence people's attitudes and behaviors towards environmental issues. Uh, But as part of that work, you know, that grew out of my interest in photography, uh, which is a career that I had before going back to school and that took me around the world to, you know, a lot of these places that, that are featured in the book as well.
0: So you are actually one of those examples of how a career is not linear. That yes, photography has been wonderful, but really, it you've expanded and and it's evolving.
1: Absolutely, I think I think definitely, and and there's a number of women in the book that have those very clear, you know, that that, that is a very clear theme of their story as well. Like Dr. Jenny Adler, who um, went to school thinking she would study ecology, and she did end up doing a degree in interdisciplinary ecology, but while she was Uh, studying in Florida, she realized she was really passionate about underwater photography and science communication. And she became a cave diver and started trying to document these underwater cave systems and aquifers to really show the water beneath people's feet and help them understand freshwater ecology and issues. And I love her story because um, just like me, you know, we've both had this kind of uh, (laughs) path that has moved in and out of academia and art. And I think although we do different things now, we've both found ways to integrate both aspects into our careers. And I think it's also an example that you don't have to be a scientist or get a Ph.D. in order to contribute to science.
0: And in fact, that seems to be a, a very much a part of the book as well, uh, the encouragement to be the, the scientist in, if you will, the, the environmentalist, the ecologist, right in our own backyard or in our neighborhood.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a really big part of the book and something we wanted to emphasize. I grew up in rural North Carolina in a small town, and when I was growing up, you know, I didn't have a lot of money. My family didn't travel very far. And so most of my explorations as a photographer, you know, as the kind of a backyard explorer happened really near my home. And I think that's a really powerful thing to emphasize for kids is that, you know, if we all did things locally in our backyards, then we wouldn't have so many global issues, right? And so it's really important that we all think about, the scales at which we can have impact. And it's not thinking small. I think it's just starting small, you know?
0: Right. And all those small pieces, those bubbles, begin to connect with each other. So it becomes this ultimately magnificent whole that, that will be, uh, that we work on making healthy and healthier.
1: Absolutely. And we've got examples in the book of, of women who are citizen scientists, you know, they don't have a formal, like Jean Beasley does not have a formal background in science, but she helped start a sea turtle rehabilitation center after having an injured sea turtle show up near her home. And that had let, let has led her to do incredible work rehabilitating sea turtles um, off the east coast of the United States. And I think she's a great example of the fact that, um, you know, you can contribute in all kinds of ways. Even, even if you start later in life, like she started um, contributing as a citizen scientist after she'd already finished a career, um, I believe, and retired. And so that's you know, you don't you don't have to have made up your mind as a kid or at 15 or at 20 um, and stick with that your whole life. You can always grow and evolve.
0: Precisely, and that's what's exciting too. Just thinking about being retired and then taking on an issue. Is such a saving the turtles, which is so critically important, but so are so many other issues in our society to know that at any age, and certainly for persons who are retired, that life doesn't just stop, that here there's perhaps more time to devote to making important changes for our planet.
1: Yeah, I really, I really hope, I mean, it was kind of when Claire and I were conceiving of the kind of format of the book, we were hoping that You know, it would be, of course, inspiring to this target age group of like eight to 14 year olds, but that the parents that were reading it or the grandparents that were reading it with kids would also get something out of it and maybe find their own inspiration to go out and explore more.
0: Mm, Truly. Yes. Thank you for mentioning the fact that this is for young girls but boys as well and for of Absolutely. course parents and grandparents using it in classrooms i mean the opportunities for its use are just boundless but really well just thinking then of a young girl reading it realizes that what opportunities there exist and that there you know it's kind of beyond or whatever our imagination can uh, conceive of we can maybe be the ones to create this in the world and, and see, as a young child looking forward to it, just really kind of um, uh, seeing how we all are connected that way, how uh, there are no limits, and how, how these particular scientists in the book have evolved.
1: I hope so. And I, I think, you know, I think a lot of research has shown one of the reasons we wanted to put this this kind of collection together with just so many women, you know, it is 25 different profiles, is because research shows that um, young girls, uh, you know, cite a lack of female role models in STEM as a key reason they don't go into science, technology, engineering, and math careers. And so, I think for me, it's a really a really big part of this is providing relatable female role models by not just highlighting the women's incredible accomplishments, of which there are many, but also, you know, their kind of human stories of what their their hopes are and their fears and, you know, their anxieties. And I think that that can hopefully help more young people and young women kind of see themselves in at least one or more of the of the women featured in the book.
0: And along with that, which is, all of that is so important for our life today and, and being hopeful about the future, I, I would expect what it does is to see that um, the opportunities are, are just beyond our comprehension, really, that it it's all so evolving and um, that we all, each of us, have a, a part to play in it.
1: I, I definitely agree. And I think... Uh, you know, looking back over because we did these kind of long form interviews with, you, with each of the women that we then, you know, pulled the profiles and the stories from. And looking back over all of those interviews, you know, a big theme that came out for me was that a lot of these women didn't know that they could do what they're doing now when they were kids. Like, you know, they didn't know maybe Stephanie Grofie, um, who's a volcanologist, she studies active volcanoes. She had no idea, you know, that she could actually make a career out of that until she went to a lecture on it. And there are many examples of that throughout the book. And so I think exposure to these possibilities and these endless possibilities is so important at a young age because we're often only we don't, you know, if we if we don't know that the job exists, we can't aspire to it.
0: Exactly. So this is this book uh, provided. Uh, yeah, funded by National Geographic, right? No boundaries. The name in itself is something that is really inspiring that the sky is the limit and it it's beyond the sky, perhaps, uh, it really gives that kind of hope to to these young, aspiring young girls and uh, any boys who might read it might be inspired for their own careers. But here, the challenge has been for young women to really feel like there is a place for them and that others perhaps have done some of these things and it's safe to adventure out and and seek something new.
1: Yeah, I think that is definitely a challenge. I think it it does very much help to see people who have come before you. And I think for me, and one of the reasons we decided to focus this on women who are working today and not just women from history is because a lot of the time in schools, and I've heard this from teachers and educators I work with, you know, we mostly provide examples of female scientists from history. You know, we might think of incredible examples like Marie Curie, for example. But I think it's important to not just have those historical examples, but to have you know, these kind of frontline examples of women um, that, are, that are at different stages of their careers, because we have women of all ages in, in the book, although a lot of early career scientists and explorers. I think it's really important to have those examples of people that are, that are working in, in this day and age right now, and that we can hopefully, you know, if, if young people are inspired by them, they can go out and follow their careers. And keep in touch and think about and see them as they they evolve and grow in their careers as well.
0: Yes, it's so exciting. I'm excited for them because all of this is such a a magnificent opportunity. And thinking about just how we're all just evolving and the science and technology keeps evolving so that this caught my attention.
1: Is it Elise Logier? Yes, Elise. I think it's. I think it's Elise uh, Logier. Logier, but yes, okay. Exactly, I believe so. And and she's a
0: remote sensing specialist. I thought, I've never heard of
1: this before. She is absolutely amazing. And for kids that are interested in technology, we, we definitely wanted to include someone like Elise who uses all kinds of cool technology to study these remote um, kind of archaeological sites, right? So she uses drones and she uses remote sensing technology, and she has all these cool gadgets that help her help um, make huge discoveries. And I think that it really can spark kids to think about all of the possibilities. And I can only imagine, you know, 20 years from now, what kind of technologies we're going to have to keep making these discoveries.
0: Right. So that maybe, you know, once someone reads this and thinks about what is being used it begins to trigger a thought as to, oh, maybe there should be X kind of equipment that could do whatever kind of thing that we could go exploring. I, I think it's taking an adventure really on a big mind trip in a way to think about what we might be able to create.
1: Absolutely. Well, and Kakani Katija is another example of that. She you know She's a bioengineer and studies the deep sea and helps you know, engineer devices that can help us look at deep sea creatures and make incredible discoveries. And she talks about the deep ocean being kind of the next frontier. And I think that, um, you know, that's a really exciting space as well.
0: And what about glaciologists? I guess because we we have glaciers here on the West Coast, so we know they exist. But really someone who's devoted their life to studying this and and how intricate it is.
1: I know. I I really love, this is Dr. M. Jackson and her story, uh, and I admire uh, Dr. Jackson so much. Um, She's not only an amazing scientist, she's also an amazing writer and combines these two uh, to do a lot of science outreach. And what's so interesting about her is that she actually, you know, just through going out and listening and talking to people, um, started understanding that glaciers, you know, don't you can't we can study them and take, you know, technical measurements of the glaciers, but we can also understand and it's important to understand what role they play in people's lives. And so a lot of what she studies is actually people's relationships with glaciers. And I think it's a great example because when I was growing up, I thought that science was a particular type of study. I didn't realize that scientists also go out and ask people questions and understand human behaviors and attitudes and perceptions. And that's a part of science as well. And so Dr. Jackson's a great example of that.
0: And so, Gabby, the thing that occurs to me, we've only touched on really just a few of these 25 amazing women who are doing such great things in our world. And you had to hone this down from multiples of this, correct?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely.
0: (laughs) There were so many more. So here, I think there's such an important message about hope and about what we can and are doing already to, to make a difference. And we need to continue to make a difference, to continue to heal our planet and to not do more damage. Did you get this sense from this as well?
1: I I have to say this working on this book has been the biggest source of hope and joy and light for me over the last few years, um, because I think what what comes through, as you said, is persistence, but it also, I don't think these women would be working this hard if they weren't filled with hope for the future, right? They, right. They, they're motivated because they see the possibility of contributing to the knowledge of our planet, of helping people, of making a difference in their communities. Like um, one of the stories that I absolutely love is uh, at the, the last one, which we chose to put at the end because I think it is one of the most hopeful, and that's the story of Hindu Um, Ibrahim from the country of Chad. And she is a climate activist and she talks about becoming a voice for her community. And I think it's just a wonderful way to kind of wrap up the book um, because she talks about some of the challenges she faced while becoming a voice for her community, but also her activism that has now taken her, not just, um, you know, within her country, but all around the world as a global advocate for climate change, um, and for her community, and for other Indigenous and Native peoples.
0: So, yes, that, it really is a wonderful, like, exclamation point to say to all young girls, young people, the, the hope that exists and what one person really can do, the inspiration that we can spread.
1: Absolutely, I think it really—you really have to remember—it's so easy to become overwhelmed these days. It really is, but I think having these um, these kind of bright points and remembering that all of these individual women are making a difference in their own ways, and that we can too—I think that's a real message we want to get across.
0: Yes, and here with 25 amazing women, and oh, I just can't say enough about all of the photographs that are included because. They do speak volumes, but a- along with these sidebars, these inserted little stories that the authors or the women that you're showcasing, the like the Inspiration Station and the Must Have, and they talk about, you know, things that we can really relate to and realize, oh, well, they're just another human being like me. They need their thermos of tea or their snacks to take along and or their music, their iPod, uh, to accompany them. So I think that that also indicates that, yes, you know, they're like you and me. We just need to be feeling encouraged that we can take the path that we're dreaming of.
1: Well, we wanted to include, I'm glad you mentioned the sidebars. So with each profile, there's like a little section that kind of extends the learning from that profile. So with um, Dr. Munaza Alam, who's an astronomer, there's been a little section about looking up at the sky and how you can get started um, stargazing. And we wanted that to do that because I think, you know, the profiles hopefully will help spark that curiosity. And for kids who want to take that a little further and say, wow, I actually am really interested, say, in paleontology. I want to learn about, um, you know, how paleontologists actually dig up fossils. Then they can go to the next page and learn a little bit more and hopefully extend that curiosity and take it to the next step. And so with Aubrey Roberts, who's a paleontologist, Um, you actually learn about all of the steps to um, actually excavating a fossil.
0: Which makes it so uh, such great fun to either do as a family activity, or this book obviously lends itself so well to classroom uh, situations over a period of years. Really great inspiration and wonderful activities to participate in.
1: Thank you. I I hope so. And I I hope that, you know, I think we can all um, we can all learn a little something. I think one of the one of the sections that I don't know if you saw the section about what we can learn from animal poop. But that's that's a pretty fun one as well, and I've gotten a lot. We've gotten a lot of feedback from kids, um, including my co-author's daughter, that that's one of their favorite chapters. It's all about you know what we can learn about animal diets or animal lifestyles from their poop, and so it's a fun thing. But it's also real hard science that's being done all the time.
0: Right, I, and it's not a surprise because somehow. Uh, d- kids have some sort of thrill <laughs> out of it. I don't know if they just like this word or what it is, but but to realize it's a natural science and yes, it gives us other side of it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. We tried to make it fun as well because, you know, I think learning really should be fun. And I and that's one of the reasons I love working with National Geographic because they always Try to make learning more fun and exciting, and and I think really try to instill this kind of explorer mindset in kids.
0: And we see really what we can do, and to showcase someone, um, there's Dr. Uh, Juliana Machado. Machado.
1: Machado. Yes, Serena. Yes, she's incredible. She's got a she's got a great story um, about her work uh, to as a conservation biologist. And so she talks about kind of, you know, growing up as a kid and having pets um, and, and especially, you know, birds and then realizing she didn't want to have kind of caged birds personally. And she goes on to work in, in the wildlife trafficking, uh, uh, working against wildlife trafficking in Brazil and making sure that animals are not illegally traded and kept as pets. And, uh, you know, what I, I like about her story, too, is she, like we talked about, she evolves. She goes from working, uh, you know, doing her Ph.D., um, working uh, in a lab. And now she mostly works in an office, in office, like working on policies and, and taking meetings. And, and she has just taken on these new roles as she's needed to in order to accomplish the mission that she has. And I, I really like that part and I think a lot of the women you can see that, that you know, as they have this mission in their mind, they're willing to to learn new things, to take on new roles, and you know, to to make sure to push themselves to um to expand the way they think and what they do in order to accomplish those missions.
0: Yes, it's just so wonderful. And also, looking at this as a whole, at No Boundaries, 25 women explorers and scientists sharing adventures, inspiration, and advice. We see these global citizens doing the global work, and I think that that's also a really important message for us to experience, to see it, to read about them, so that you know there's just so much that is of value and valuable in this work gap it it's just really such a gift
1: wow it's such a privilege to be able to to share these stories and we're also we're so grateful to the women for their time sharing the stories and I see it just as an opportunity to elevate their work and their voices
0: and we encourage of course everyone get a copy find it uh, talk to your local bookstore if you don't see it on the shelf and and get this because uh it will be a treasure to cherish, I, I feel, for years and years, and who knows what kind of future it can bring to our kids.
1: Well, thank you. Yes, please check it out, and you can also ask your, at your local library to see if they can get a copy, or they may already have a copy, and uh, check it out there as well.
0: Absolutely. Well, Gabby Salazar, it's been such a privilege to have this time with you. Thank you for doing the work for this amazing book. And thank you for taking time with us this morning.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me and for highlighting uh, these incredible women. And I hope that all of the kids listening will just keep following their curiosity and think about pursuing careers in science and exploration.
0: That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Gabby Salazar and Sunday Morning Magazine with Thomas Fozo. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, k a t e d at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or to share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 1069 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of being open to the opportunities to become more than we thought we could.